Hello and welcome to Eurectus Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Julia Dam. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Eurectus Agri-Food team. So, good day to our listeners and, uh, and welcome to the podcast. As you might have heard, uh, the podcast soul, uh, Natasha, she's not with us. I was actually about to do a joke saying uh, something like uh, she decided to leave you active and uh, we wish her all the best. No? That would have been too fruitful. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine might fly for a full slave or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, can you imagine her reaction if I would have continued the, the joke? But no, don't worry. Of course, uh, Natasha is just off this week for some uh, reporting she's doing in Greece. And, uh, and she will come back uh, next Friday. Uh, th- this is actually the first uh, time she misses the... Yeah, my God. Pod. In 89 episodes, yeah? Actually, at, at the very beginning, the podcast was something uh, just for Natasha. You know? she, she had just arrived at your active, and uh, the podcast was basically her reading out the newsletter. Uh, but yeah, we, we can do a trip down the, the memory lane of the podcast, maybe for the episode number 100. Uh, we'll yeah, it's, uh, it's coming up soonish. Soonish, yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, also, I mean, Natasha was also really scared that we wouldn't have mentioned her at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we won't forget her. It's, uh, no, of course, of course. It's, uh, uh, yeah, we, can't it's, just, we can't just not address the big gap that we have Of course, week. of course. I mean, imagine I tweeted this brilliant online game in which you're basically a Ukrainian farmer who have to steal uh, Russian tanks and bring them in the stable. Uh, and I said, uh, who posts the, high, the highest score will get a mention in the podcast. And she started playing it <laughs> <laughs> just to be granted the, the right to be named. Yeah, don't worry, Natasha. Of course, we, we miss you and we, we wait for you. By the way, our winner is an old acquaintance of, uh, of the podcast. Uh, Sam Morgan, a well-known Brussels-based journalist. We hosted him two years ago, in, I think two years ago, uh, when he was editor at Euractim. We had um, uh, a talk, a chat, and uh, and he scored 12. To be fair, I scored 21. Eh? But... <laughs> <laughs> so you should mention yourself. I, I, have you played, you? You know? No. Uh... Uh, you should. I mean, instead of working, you should. <laughs> I was waiting till after the podcast so I didn't have to share my score in case it's embarrassing. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I'm quite confident in, uh, in a good performance <laughs> of yours. So don't worry, don't worry. Uh, I mean, yeah, I have to admit that 21 is quite a high score. You'd be a good Ukrainian farmer. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, since it's already three minutes since the beginning and we haven't said anything yet, <laughs> I take the opportunity to do public apology because I said something similar in a Twitter chat last month uh, saying uh, who writes the funniest tweet will be mentioned in the podcast. And I didn't mention uh, uh, anything. So, and this was flagged out by two listeners. I was at the at this forum of agriculture. We're going to talk about that later. And two listeners who, who work for the think tank Farm Europe, uh, who joined the Twitter chat at that time. Uh, and actually, they, they did say something really funny because our colleague doing communication made a tiny mistake saying at the end of the Twitter chat, follow our journalists and instead of putting Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foote, 
she put me twice. And uh, and the from Europe account says something like, uh, follow also Natasha Foot if you already follow Gerardo Toy. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> big shout to from Europe and to uh, Sabolch and, and Giacomo. And uh, and now we can start. I guess. All right, let's dive in. Um, in so, the, the serious stuff. No? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, in, uh, serious indeed, because uh, I think we're going to talk about some serious uh, clashes in the, in That's the bubble the this week. That's the keyword of this week. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, clashes, uh, as you said. There was, there was a... A first clash already on um, Tuesday on the occasion of the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. I was mentioning it before, uh, which is a major appointment in Brussels. It's a, it's a conference uh, perceived as industry-oriented. It's supported by big company uh, uh, like Syngenta and trade organization like uh, the European Landowner Association. Uh, there are also NGOs involved uh, among the support, like WWF. And uh, but this year there was a, a protest uh, organized by agricultural, environmental, and international solidarity organizations, saying that the the uh, FFA uh, is a greenwashing event aimed at strengthening the influence of the chemical and agri-food industry on public policies. Uh, several members of the uh, commission were present at the event. Stelia uh, Kirikides, the Commissioner for Food and Health, um, Food Safety and Health, um, Wojciechowski, Timmermans, the Vice President of the Commission uh, tasked with the Green Deal uh, implementation, was supposed to be there, but he got COVID. And uh, and uh, and while they were speaking uh, outside. Uh, the conference center, there was this uh, symbolic action and even a counter buffet. So uh, it was uh, well, well that's the That's the yeah. big, uh, bringing out the big gear. Of course, you have to play to play the right cards. I mean, uh, you have to fight your opponents. That's actually the... quite genius, I have to say. Indeed, 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 indeed. And um, actually, uh, the it was also... Uh, the choice of the buffet was particular because it was, uh, you know, something uh, grown by a local producer. So, um, but this gives you a bit the taste, I mean, of course, the taste, but, <laughs> but also the uh, the taste of the current contraposition on uh, sustainability, which is a bit. Uh, it's quite similar to what what was happening, um, you know, in the, in the years of uh, of uh, the negotiation between uh, the commission the council and the parliament on the common agricultural policy revision and also on the farm to fork strategy so we know that there's this uh, um th this topic that uh, put uh, uh industry ngos uh, politicians stakeholders uh against uh, and it's basically uh, and, and and are basically the aspects related to the uh, sustainability uh, in the agriculture. Uh, again, we remember the debate around the eco schemes and the green ambition in the cap. But there was another clash this week, Julia, uh, basically on the same uh, topic. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we talked about this a lot in our articles and also in the podcast last week about this whole debate uh, about suspending farm to fork goals um, in the face of the Ukraine war and the crisis and the upheaval on markets that it could cause. 
And this reverberated on the European Parliament this week, uh, where we had a clash between the Agriculture Committee, so uh, Comagri for short, and the Environment Committee uh, called ENVI. Um, so last week, the majority groups in the Parliament's Agri um, Committee wrote a letter to Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, basically asking to relax certain sustainability aspects of the EU law for the sake of food security um, in the face of uh, the current situation. And the Agriculture Committee MEPs called on the Commission, for example, to grant more flexibility for increasing the acreage of lands under production and for importing crucial commodities from third countries. Uh, and also to temporarily allow the use of uh, plant protection products, uh, I quote, were effective on those ecological focus areas, which are suitable for growing protein crops during the duration of the crisis. Um, but this letter received some harsh criticism from the Greens and the left in the parliament, who are pushing not to look, uh, not to overlook sustainability aspects of uh, the EU's agri-food policy. Um, so this Wednesday came the counter strike, so to speak. Um, when a majority of the ENVI coordinators wrote a letter to Timmermans um, where they asked not to hold off um, the future, any future legislative proposal for a framework for a sustainable food system, um, saying that this was now more pertinent than ever. And they wrote, pursuing the objectives of the farm to fork strategy within the European Green Deal is the way forward uh, and called on the Commission to resist the push from some member states also and also stakeholders to postpone uh, forthcoming proposals um, for revising EU legislation on pesticides um, and on nature restoration targets. It's, it's, it's a bit of the eternal fight between <laughs> the MV committee. <laughs> I remember in, in the past legislative mandate, um, the, con the, let's say, the um, rivalry was more between MV committee and ITRE committee, so the industry committee, because it was the clean energy package. Uh, but the clean, the clean energy package was so, uh, not controversial, but I mean, it, it triggers a lot of reaction and, uh, and the stance and, you know, uh, positions. So, but it's already been overcome, overcome by, <laughs> by the, 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 the Fit for 55 and the Green Deal. So uh, this, is, this is just to, again, give you again the taste of how quick uh, the debates evolve uh, in the Brussels bubble uh, and how quick actually a debate could evolve because of an external event like the Ukrainian war. Um, honestly, the yeah, there was the debate around the food security if it uh, was still a, a topic a worth of discussion at EU level. Uh, but uh, Ukrainian war, the, the the war in Ukraine and and the uh, disruption, uh, let's say the, the knock-on effects on on the EU um, food supply, but also international food supply chains, um, has basically changed the completely turned upside down the the debate. So. Um, now we're having stakeholders, politicians uh, taking uh, clear stances because in the first few weeks uh, there was a bit of uncertainty. Uh, I wasn't sure how long this invasion would have lasted. And um, as I said, the first few weeks, we haven't seen a lot of position. Just to mention an example, um, the EU lobby, the EU farmers lobby, Copacogeca, 
before an interview that we we did uh, last week with uh, their secretary general Pekka Pesone, they didn't release any position. I mean, they were very cautious in understanding first the uh, implication, and uh, and now. Julia, you also wrote about it last week. Um, there are are emerging the, the, the two um, sides are emerging. The one that wants to uh, preserve uh, the Green Deal ambition, uh, and uh, and uh, the one that wants at least to suspend. Uh, German agricultural minister is actually among the the one that want to preserve. Yeah, he's voiced quite uh, strong opinions about it uh, also repeatedly. Um, I also think this um, kind of discussion picking up on the, say, a week or two after the start of the war was a bit of a question of tone. Mm. Whether people didn't want to jump into making yeah. demands immediately after. You know, yeah, German agriculture minister has been quite um, quite uh, the open voice against suspending any environmental targets. It's also delicate delicate topic because I mean it's uh, there's the tragedy of a war um, currently raging on in Ukraine so for instance I was uh, collecting uh, the position of stakeholders on uh, on the latest package of sanctions that uh, uh, is affecting um, some food products uh, actually luxury product uh, like wine for for bottle um that costs actually more than 300 euro so luxury wine and the same for uh, for spirits and the reaction from the stakeholder is that uh, i mean there will be an impact but uh, at the same time uh, um it's it's for a good cause no so it's even difficult to uh, f- from the communication point of view eh, to move into this uh, very tragic um, context, no? Yeah, uh, and you can definitely feel that everyone's uh, kind of tiptoeing a bit um, and, and really considering what they want to say and how they want to say it. Indeed, indeed. Which, and, uh, uh, which is probably good. Yeah, 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 considering the how delicate is the situation. Uh, at the same time, we, of course, have, um, uh, you know, something is moving on. Uh, the There was the European Council, the informal European Council next uh, last week. There will be another one, official one, next week in Brussels, together with the NATO uh, summit. So, um, again, even at the... Uh, you know, outside the EU agri-food bubble, um, the topic of food security is becoming uh, more and more important. Just to make an example, French President um, Emmanuel Macron, um, on Thursday evening, he presented his election program and uh, and he said he wants to reopen discussions on the EU farm-to-fork strategy because of a profound food crises uh, that are expected particularly outside Europe, and, and have to be dealt with. The, the reference is, of course, into North Africa. Uh, this, is a, this is also a geopolitical um, issue because, I mean, uh, there's this uh, news that, China, actually rumor, that China is um, um, basically um, collecting food uh, ready to be, um, to, to offer uh, its aid to African uh, uh, countries that will face 
uh, food shortages because they they're heavily heavily independent uh, dependent from Ukraine and Russia, particularly uh, cereals. Uh, so even from the point of view of job, from the geopolitical point of view, food and uh, the production um, capacity could become a, a geopolitical weapon, particularly to counter uh, attack um, any China, Chinese action, for instance. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's not only uh, something happening in, at the farm-to-fork level, let's say, but also at the common agricultural policy level, because some countries are uh, pushing to, uh, let's say, redirect particularly the um, eco-scheme uh, aspects, so the, the, the greening of the farming and the uh, provisions dealing with uh, some, um, some, for instance, um, non-productive areas, um, and 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 for instance, there's the push of uh, of uh, on uh, um, insisting more on on crop uh, uh, pro- uh, pro- uh, protein crops. Uh, this is something that will be discussed next week uh, by the ministers. Uh, but in general, Julia, there are some. Um, um, you know, um, feedback from the member states on how to uh, redirect CAP. Yeah, I mean, two member states have actually come forth this week um, and kind of put on the table the option that they could basically unilaterally change their CAP strategic plans. Uh, So just to recap, the national strategic plans are one of the main innovations of the new reformed uh, CAP. and in them, the member states basically set out how they want to implement it on a national level. So it's basically, uh, you could probably say, a, a means for them to push for things on a national level without having to, um, yeah, to um, find an agreement uh, in Brussels. Uh, so Slovakia um, has said that uh, it will make necessary adjustments to its strategic plan um, in the form of additional interventions. Uh, and possibly also compensation tools for farmers hit by the crisis. Um, although it's unclear whether the changes they're planning are also about weakening sustainability measures, as um, as is this whole discussion that we just talked about. Uh, and meanwhile, Italy is actually going a step more radical. Uh, it said it's currently considering uh, possibly redirecting the new cap to focus more on supporting agricultural production. And the minister, uh, Stefano Patronelli, has also brought forth the idea that the entry into force of these um, new environmental measures, the eco schemes and so on, uh, could could maybe be postponed. So at the moment, it's uh, set to come into force from the beginning of 2023. Um, and he's basically dangled this idea of uh, pushing it back to focus on production first. But of course, it's also it's also a bit problematic from from an administrative point of view or from the EU point of view. And the Commission has actually in the past um, come forth to say that it would be difficult to still make changes to these cap plans since they've already been submitted to the commission for for approval um, the deadline was beginning of january some countries were late but most of them have uh, have submitted it now including yeah actually the the, fl- uh, f- the the last one uh, belgium uh, from belgium is uh, on the route let's say uh, because uh, they just waited for the um, 
flam because I mean the, the agricultural policy in Belgium is divided. Uh, it, it's a shared competence uh, both from the Wall- um, Wallonie and uh, Flanders regions. So uh, the strategic plan for for Flanders region has been uh, submitted. So yeah, it's uh, so like half a country is yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, Wallonie was already was already filed. If I remember correctly, so it's uh, okay. So it's done. I mean, the commission just have to uh, receive. I mean, they probably already received it and and assessed. So I think it's uh, done. Okay, uh, so we can. Yeah, so we can say uh, that it's uh, they've been submitted. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's it's a fair assumption. Yeah, <laughs> and um, uh, the commission. Uh, I, I come back to the. Um, I close the the cap corner and I come back to the farm to four corner. <laughs> the commission is actually uh, quite split. I mean, we're talking about clash, so uh, as we said, it's the keyword of the week. Uh, it's kind of split on whether, uh, as as Julia mentioned, uh, there was this uh, the, the same debate between the agri committee and the envy committee, uh, and the same clash is basically replicated at the commission level with. Franz Timmermans, that uh, we heard from uh, from his voice uh, last week in the podcast, saying, um, warning uh, not to believe the illusion that you would help food production by making it less sustainable, so basically by uh, not opting for farm-to-fork strategy. That's what he said. Yeah, uh, yes, I mean, uh, on Thursday, Wojciechowski, uh, speaking before the MEPs in the Agriculture Committee, he said something quite different, basically the contrary, uh, because it was asked by um, uh, Herbert Dorfman, an Italian MEP and the, the spokesperson for agriculture issue uh, at the commission. Um, he was asked what the commission is planning to do when it comes to the implementation of the other um, legislative uh, initiative in the farm, in the in the context of the farm to fork strategy, with a reference, of course, to the pesticide, the Sud directive, the pesticide framework, and the nature restoration targets that are scheduled by next week on Wednesday. And uh, there's this rumor that the Commission is thinking of uh, postponing it, postponing both of them. And replying to Dorfman, Wojciechowski said, um, I quote him here, now we need to stop the procedure to suspend the procedure. So um, the idea, the Wojciechowski idea is to basically keep the agri-food, the core agri-food policy, the common agricultural policy, the strategic plans, as the only um, agri-food policy at European level for at least until June, and um, without adding adding anything more. So for adding anything more, uh, the reference is, of course, to the implementation of the Farm to Fork. So directive, uh, natural restoration target. So he, he concluded by saying, this is my position in the commission, not to give more outside the strategic plans. So this is the position of, allegedly, the DG Agri, uh, and uh, we know that Timmermans uh, is not uh, in favor of uh, relax or not relaxing, but also postponing uh, the implementation of the Farm to Fork, or the Green Deal, because the Farm to Fork is the food part of the uh, Green Deal. And uh, and this is quite problematic because yesterday, on Thursday, 
I asked the commission if they if they plan to postpone the the, the suit directive, the presentation of the pesticide framework. And I still haven't received any. <laughs> so they still think we don't know. Them up, yeah. We don't know if there's the if there will be the unveiling of the revision of the pesticide framework. I also heard that we published. Uh, you remember, Julia, we published the leak uh, last month. Uh, I I I've also been told that uh, um, the current uh, proposal is completely different from the leak. Because uh, because of Ukraine, so I mean it's uh, because also the push of some stakeholders, some member states, uh, not to um, undermine uh, productivity. Because you never know what could happen. Um, again, like you said, where the the, the crisis has really uh, given a new turn to a debate that there was already super political and super polarized indeed, on, the, on the pesticide directive. Indeed, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know. It's a major event, of course. I mean, it's probably the, um, again, probably after the, the Second World War, we're talking about the, the biggest crisis uh, in Europe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's completely changed, changed the landscape. I mean, we, we published this leak, like, honestly, four weeks ago. Eh? Um, so, Again, we don't know yet what's going to happen next week. We know that uh, it's packed uh, with uh, uh, events because there's the Agrifish Council on Monday. Uh, so the gathering of EU ministers, uh, EU agricultural minister in Brussels, they're going to discuss this, um, the tools that also the commission is uh, planning to put forward. On the same day, on the same day, on Monday, uh, Wojciechowski anticipated that there's some kind of Uh, orientation debate, a special meeting of the commission to look at food security. We, I, am, I didn't understand if he was referring to the Archivist Council or to the food expert group on uh, uh, food security expert group that was supposed to be um, scheduled by next Wednesday. I'm not sure, or it could be also a, a, a different meeting. There's, as we said, the planned um, suit directive uh, proposal and natural restoration targets. Uh, Tash published, uh, Natasha published uh, um, a leak also on this uh, two weeks ago. It's basically on uh, the part on peatlands. It's, it's very important. Again, non-productive areas. Eh? Um, and there's also the summit, uh, as we said, the EU leaders uh, will uh, uh, gather, uh, will be gathered again in Brussels uh, to discuss the uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, basically, because, I mean, uh, there's also Biden, uh, the US president. So, um, and there's also on Wednesday a communication from the Commission on Food Security. So uh, stay tuned for the next uh, weeks and and uh, for actually also the comeback of uh, Natasha in the Agrifood podcast. So Julia, for our flavor of the week this week, we have a very special guest. <laughs> Yeah, surprise guest coming on, actually. I'm, I'm quite excited. 
Um, <laughs> so um, I won't present her because uh, I think she'll be able to present herself. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's very. I mean, everyone knows uh, her, uh, our listener. So uh, this is our um, guest introducing the flavor of the week this week. Surprise! Do you recognize the voice of this week's special guest? That's right, Yulia and Gerardo cannot get rid of me that easily. So I'm here to talk to you um, and bring you our flavor of the week this week. And what are we talking about this week? Well, let me give you a clue. I'm always one of the cheesy jokes, and I just have to say these flavors of the week keep getting fetter and fetter. That was particularly terrible, but okay, that's right, you probably got it, that this week we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, cheese and more specifically feta which honestly I couldn't have planned better because this week I'm actually bringing you the flavor of the week from the homeland of feta Greece and actually more specifically from the airport in in Greece so if you hear any funny noises in the background that's that that explains it so a quick background for those of you who don't know feta is a Greek staple made out of the brined curd uh, white cheese made from sheep's milk or a mixture of sheep and goat's milk Uh, feta actually the word in greek means slice and you can find a slice of feta or a feta feta i suppose in a greek salad and also you know pretty much everywhere else in greece so though cheese made from sheep's or goat's milk is documented in greece from the 8th century bc and was widely consumed in ancient greece and later in greek uh, gastronomy feta cheese in particular is first recorded in the byzantine period under the name prosphatos which i probably just butchered and fun fact for you all, in Homer's Odyssey, uh, Polyphemus, the Cyclops, made sheep's milk cheese, which was probably a forerunner of feta, which he ripened on racks in his cave. So, you know, given this really rich culture and background and history, Greece is naturally very proud of its famous cheese and also very protective of it, which brings us nicely onto why we're talking specifically about feta this week. So feta was actually registered as a protected designation of origin, so that's PDO, back in 2002. Now this means the name feta can only be used for cheese originating in the specified geographical area in Greece and complying with the relevant product specification. However, Greece and Cyprus recently got salty with Denmark, claiming that it has breached this by failing to prevent or stop the use of the name feta for cheese produced in Denmark, um, but intended to be exported to third countries. Now, that's key because Denmark has tried to argue that this only applies to products sold in the EU and does not cover exports to third countries. But the EU's top court, uh, the European Court of Justice, took the Mediterranean side in this dispute this week in an opinion that concluded that the regulation, in fact, does cover exports to third countries. Although it also found that Denmark has not infringed on the duty of sincere cooperation, um, as was additionally claimed by the Commission. So I think it's safe to say with this opinion um, that Denmark's argument has somewhat crumbled. (laughs) Ha ha. I'm sorry, this flavor of the week lends itself very well to puns, so, you know, sorry about that. And there you go, that's Feta brought to you from on-the-ground reporting from Greece. But that's not quite the end of the story here, um, because, you know, this this opinion basically proposes to the court a legal solution. Um, and But it's not binding, and so now the judges of the court are beginning their deliberations on this case, with the final ruling expected at a later date. And that's all from us this week. Uh, this week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractis AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna, Natasha Food, and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. 
This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.